It's been over a week since Frank Reich's introductory press conference. Now we get to talk about, is he the right man for the job? Hey, Panther fans, we're back. Yes, we were a little later this week. Life got in the way, but we're back and we're ready to rock and roll. How you doing, kiddo? Doing good, man. Ready to get back to it. All right. Some more Panthers football. Oh, man, you have to. You have to. And this is a good week to do it. So, as you saw at the top of the show, our episode today is is Frank Reich, the right man for the job. And we also wanted to kind of talk about what are the things he's going to have to do to avoid suffering the same fate as uh, one Matt Rule. So, you ready to get going, man? Let's do it. All right. So, it's been a little over a week, I think nine days exactly, since we had our Frank Reich introductory, introductory press conference. And I know Panther Nation still on the fence about the move, but rest assured, Steve Wilkes did land on his feet. You saw that earlier this week, Takari? Yeah, I did. He, uh, <clears throat> he just got hired by the 49ers for the defensive coordinator position. I saw them... Uh, Nothing more than that. I think that's a good spot for him. What do you think? I like it. Um, He's not D'Amico Ryans, but, um, I mean, it's a great opportunity. It's definitely um, from his natural defensive defensive backs position going up into a bigger role in a defensive coordinator position. I think it's definitely a big step up. And that's a – that was the number one defense in the league. So, I mean, it's – it's an easy job to step into and be successful. And who knows, maybe I could turn into a head coaching job after this fall, like this 2023, 24 season. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he more than landed on his feet. I mean, I would say that that defensive cover, that defensive coordinator's job is probably the most coveted of all the DC job openings uh, in the league because that Shanahan system has turned out quite a few coaches, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because you end up with uh, Robert uh, Sala. And I believe Mike McDaniel is from that same tree as well. So Steve Wilkes plays his cards right. You know, stays here for a couple years, gets elevated to a head coach. San Francisco gets that compensatory draft pick because I know that's why they do it. So it looks like it's going to work out for all sides. And I think at the end of the day, this was the best thing that could have happened for the Panthers and for Steve Wilkes. How about you? Um, Yeah, I agree. Um, Not a lot of Panthers fans, I think, right now. I think we're kind of both ways, but I think it works out for both parties. And like I mentioned before, I think it's a great, that's a great position to go into and already have that talent. And you got Kyle Shanahan already calling the plays on offense. So it's less for him to worry about. So, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for Steve Wilkes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a step up from what he was doing with the Carolina Panthers because his a job when he, when he was brought on last year was he was the defensive passing game coordinator, which sounds like a really made up title to get, you know, some, uh, some veteran presence on your team, but I get it. Listen, Matt rule, and we will cover this a little bit later, but Matt rule definitely did not go for veteran NFL experience when he first constructed his staff the previous year. So and I think that's going to lead right into, you know, what what we wanted to cover, because right now we were looking at some of the national perspective stuff. And I do it's I'm hard pressed to find anybody who is upset 
about, or I wouldn't say upset, but who thinks that it's a bad move to bring Frank Reich on as our head coach. I was actually watching an interview with ESPN and Dan Orlovsky actually said that, you know, he had picked the Carolina Panthers prior to all this stuff to win the division. And we were one game out from winning it, but he really does believe the Frank Reich move is the right move and it will propel us to a division title and he'll be keeping a sharp eye out for us. What have you been seeing out there? Um, I haven't seen too much, but I, I agree with Dan Orlovsky. I think that with this roster, it's been slowly in the works of like getting better and better and elevating, uh, I think, through the years of the draft, building up young talent. Um, I mean, this they're set up to take over the South if they if they, they it's the balls in their hands. You know, it's it's up to them. And you, you bring in a guy like Frank Reich. I mean, you got to go out and ball. I, but, I couldn't um, agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. So rolling right into has Panther nation beginning to soften on, on Frank Reich a little bit, because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm super active on a lot of boards, fan boards, and man, our, our fan base almost as a whole. And I don't want to say that, you know, straight away, but I'm sure there's a lot of Panther fans out there that feel the way we do, but People were really banking on Steve Wilkes becoming the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And looking at a lot of the fan boards, a lot of the fans were were up in arms that he wasn't give, given the position. I really did believe David Tepper when he said in the press conference following Matt Rule's firing that Steve Wilkes will have to do an incredible job to be considered for the for the job of head coach of the Panthers the following season. And I really do believe that he stood by his word. I also am not a big fan of that this was another instance of a black coach not getting an opportunity. Hate to go with the controversial topic straight away, but might as well hit the elephant in the room. So I think from the outset that David Tepper was very adamant about who and what he wanted to bring on. And if you look across the interviews, it was... OC, 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 you know, and it was, I mean, you're talking from Jim Caldwell, you know, they had interest in, I mean, well, Jim Harbaugh had interest in us, but I think he was trying to leverage us for a big payday with Denver. But I mean, Shane Steichen, and then there was um, Ben Johnson from the Lions. I mean, you're talking OC after OC. And really the only DC that we really talked to was Steve Wilkes. We did try to set up with D'Amico Ryans, but that didn't end up happening. So have you, I mean, I know you're on the boards as well. Have you seen any change of heart in the Panthers fan base? Um, I think it's been fairly quiet, um, but I, I still think it's, I think it's still towards Steve Wilkes right now. I think people are kind of concerned and they don't know too much about Frank Reich. For those who don't watch too much of Colts football or any of that, uh, that AFC division. Um, so people are concerned. They have questions. Oh, sorry. Holy, go down, go down, go down. Sorry. I believe that's Dakari's oh, dog. Go <laughs> like so, around. Yeah, no, you're um, good. But um, to what I was saying, I I think um, it's a, it's a big question mark, and I think and people are are going to be uneasy and unsettled until they see what Frank Wright is about, how he's going to manage the game, um, how he's going to coach these players and elevate them, win over that locker room that Steve Wilkes did, because like you had mentioned earlier, he they, everyone was ready to go to bat for Steve Wilkes. So. Absolutely. I mean, you had Panther alumni, Panther players, 
they, I mean, they were putting out public statements in support of Steve Wilkes. Now, the one thing that did get me is, did you see the the outcry by Skip Bayless on Undisputed with Skip and Shannon, where he's like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Carolina Panthers locker room doesn't boycott because they're upset that Steve Wilkes didn't get the job. Did you see that? I didn't, but that sounds like a Skip Bayless thing to say. He's got some... He's, he's wild. He's got some outlandish things to say. Yeah. He he's wild. I just don't want to lose the perspective that these are professionals. These are professional athletes that are making some really good money to play a, a, a sport as a living. I don't know that I'd ever see a situation where the Carolina Panthers locker room would revolt against Frank Reich because I think at the end of the day, I believe winning cures all. If Frank brings the wins, I think that's going to fix everything. I don't think anybody's going to remember being in this weird spot where people are you know, on the fence. And there's a couple people that I listen to that say two things can be true, right? You can really feel disappointed that Steve Wilkes didn't get the job. I wouldn't even say that he was screwed over. Like, I, I really, I really don't even want to go there because I, he did a fair job. And you can also feel happy and hopeful that Frank Reich was the, was the choice. I believe both are true. And I don't think you have to choose one over the other. How, how what do you think? No, I agree. Absolutely. And um, to your point, I think like David Tepper's expectations were, if, listen, like we, you don't have too much experience at the head coaching job. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're going to be the face of the, uh, the future going forward, I think in his eyes, we, we need to make the playoffs and we need to make a, a deep playoff push, I think. And, and if that wasn't going to happen, um, then I don't think it was even, I don't even think his name was in competition for that head coaching spot i think that was the expectation for in david yeah. tepper's eyes yeah i agree for him to, to be the hc absolutely i mean i think that you know, i'm with you i think that was always the plan now i want to start getting into a little bit of the things that what does frank reich have to do to prevent from being you know having the same fate as matt rule and I'm going to go after the low-hanging fruit because I think this is what you and I really talked about when we started seeing Matt Rule's staff get put together. Now, there was an audio clip from Frank Reich's sit-down with Kirsten Balboni before his introductory press conference, but after he was initially uh, announced as a hire, uh, that the, the chosen head coach for the Carolina Panthers. In that interview... She's asking him about his theory and his philosophy. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm a football coach and I really do believe that you have to bring on complimentary coaches and not just bringing in your buddies. Do you think Frank was throwing some shade at Matt Rule? Uh, absolutely. When I, even when I just hear that story, um, 100%. And that, that is the role of the head coach. You get to bring in your own staff, your own people. And yeah. for people who have know Matt Rule in the, the his time in Carolina, he was bringing in a lot of his staff were former coaches. He coached with at Baylor at Temple. He Phil even Snow. brought in guys from, from Temple, uh players wise. Yeah. Um Phil Snow. Jeff um, Nixon. I mean he he loaded that roster with a lot of especially that first year, he loaded that roster with a lot of non NFL uh, NFL coaches, and I think you and I talked about this. I I we didn't believe it in in it when we first saw it. We were actually really concerned. It's like you know this guy has one year of experience in the Tom Coughlin regime as an assistant offensive line coach, and he's not bringing on any NFL town. He brought in the pass game coordinator from LSU to be the OC, and I think we kind of figured out. What drove that LSU offense? Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, 
Justin Jefferson. No, it was it was scary. And I think we we were getting little breadcrumbs about it when Teddy Bridgewater left town. You remember when he left town and he's like, you know, he got to Denver, I believe, but he did an interview, like a players only interview. And he talked about how he was super concerned because they didn't run a two minute period. And I think Panther Nation as a whole, we're like, oh, you're you're just salty because you're not a Panther anymore. And I think the truth came out. I think the truth ended up being that, you know, without a veteran NFL staff, you're going to be missing out on some things. What do you think? Absolutely, hundred percent, and that's what comes with bringing in guys that haven't coached in that in the next level. Yeah. You don't know how to prepare grown men to get ready to go to battle and on Sundays. It's a lot of a the game is so much more different from college to the NFL. And these coaches, you need time, you need experience. It's very rarely that you have a coach that comes up from the college level with no NFL experience and has immediate success. And um, it it came in bit Matt Rule and and that whole operation in the butt. It literally did. So obviously, you you know, we get the first five win season and then, you know, he fired Joe Brady along with bringing on Cam Newton. There's all that that craziness. And he elevated Jeff Nixon to OC for the final few games of that season. And then the offseason, that's when he really started to bring in some NFL coaches. Obviously, he brought in Ben McAdoo as OC. He brought in Steve Wilkes as the defensive pass game coordinator. Chris Tabor, special teams coordinator. Not an NFL head coach, but NFL pedigree. He brought in James Campen, offensive line. You know, so he started bringing in that NFL talent. But I think the problem is, is the other thing that bit him in the butt is he never addressed the quarterback position. Now, conversely... Now we're starting to see Frank Wright put together his staff. And what do you, what are you seeing with that so far? Um, I'm seeing a vast improvement. Um, I mean, I'm liking the moves. I mean, to our, what we were just talking about was connections. It's um, you're hiring the guy, the right guy for the job, not like a buddy. Right. Say. Um, right. And the, uh, I don't know if we got into it already. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Zero Evero. I had to work on Ejiro it. Zero Evero. <laughs> but um not a promotion but he steps over from steps over from denver and yeah. i think um we had seen something about they were upset to see him go yeah um but i think it's a good move i think they ranked pretty well i mean I, i'll let you get into that but i know they he did a very fair job over in denver with that with that talent over there yeah, no, it's, this is actually a very exciting hire. I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I saw it come in, I had to like blink twice because if you remember, Azura Evero was actually brought in as one of our potential head coaching candidates. And to see him be hired as part of this regime tells me that David Tepper is learning his lesson. He's learning a very valuable lesson. He, he And the one thing I'll tell you is that as a Panthers fan, we're used to losing out on the big name player free agents and coaching free agents. And so Azure Evero was also due to go visit Minnesota. And Azure Evero also has ties in the, with the LA Rams. There was a lot of moving parts and pieces that didn't feel like we would actually have a chance at snagging him. And the reason why this is important is the stat that I wanted to go over was the DVOA, which Denver was 10th in total DVOA in 2020-22. So they were the top third of the league. I mean, that that's huge. Carolina was 25th and and as good as, and as much as people say positive things about our defense with our offense being so inefficient, our defense got worn down most games. And although we look good early on, I mean, by the end of the game, we were, we were giving up crazy amounts of yards. And I like the DVOA number is because it weighs in things like 
you know, strength of schedule, time of game where the the yards are starting to rack up. So you're not getting unfairly penalized for for um, uh, plays at the end of a game where, you know, it's essentially it's over. You know, they, like, you know, they're just they're just throwing things against the wall. Uh, and so, I mean, for him to lead a, a, gr- a group to a 10th in the league, that's that's a testament. Now, the thing that really kind of gets me is that he didn't even make it to Minnesota. We had the offer in hand. He accepted it before he even went to Minnesota, which tells me David Tepper is intent on keeping his word to Frank Reich because that's one of the things that Frank Reich said during one of his interviews is that Mr. Tepper has promised him that he's going to do anything and everything to build the best coaching staff out there. So that is step one, and I'm I'm actually feeling you know pretty happy about that. Now, moving on is that we've already brought on a linebackers coach, and that's somebody who worked for Azura Evero in Denver, and it's Peter Hansen. And Peter Hansen's actually, you know, he's got some he's got some decent coaching chops. He's 43 years old, and he played football and basketball at the University of Arizona. And he also was a defensive, Arizona, a defensive coordinator in Arizona for two seasons before joining Azura uh, Evero with the Broncos. So, again, it's a gentleman that, that really knows what he's doing. And... Also, if you know, Ejiro Evero is a big fan of the 3-4. Now, Carolina runs a 4-3 base with a lot of moving parts and pieces. So the 3-4 is a little bit different style of defense. And my hope is that we eventually do transition over. But I hope it's not something that we just try to make work. Um, Do you think... How do you think they're going to try to employ the 3-4 the over the course of this next year, Dakari? Uh, I think they'll work it in slow. I actually like – I think that's a great idea. And you, when you think about the 3-4 and you think about bringing in another backer or nickel, you got to think about someone – one of my favorite linebackers on the roster that we don't talk about enough is Brandon Smith. And he didn't, man, he didn't get nearly enough reps that he should have He, he looks like a great god. He really does. With his wingspan, his speed, and um, he's very young. I think he was just getting a grasp of the the league and um, yeah. just the schemes and, and plays and everything. But I think once he's sharpened up and he – with the right coaching, with the new coaching, I think he's going to be a force. And I think 3-4 would be great. I mean, you've got him, Luvu, Shaq's getting up there in age. So, I mean, I would like to see the development of Brandon Smith. So Yeah, no, and that, that's the thing with the 3-4. I think we would have to address two things – quickly uh who are we gonna get as a true nose tackle and how are we going to bolster that linebacker room because right now jeremy chen has kind of played the hybrid uh matt rule year one he was like a hybrid he played you know more snaps at linebacker than into the secondary last year they tried to kick him back to secondary and it just wasn't as productive of a season and plus he did have some games where he was injured so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this defense, how they're going to transition over as we hit things like free agency and the draft and potential trades as well. Now, two things I think the Panthers did that was super smart is we retained Chris Tabor, who ran the special teams, and he was ranked – the Panthers' special teams was actually ranked fourth in the entire NFL this season. And that was impressive, and I think it's a smart move to keep some continuity on that staff. Also – the other position group, or I think the position group that had the biggest turnaround from year one, Matt Rule, to year two, well, year two, one and two, Matt Rule, to year three, was the offensive line. We were god-awful over the first couple years of Matt Rule's reign. Like, just... That's improvement. 
bad. And then this past year, you add on Iki Iquanu, you add on Bradley Bozeman, you add on Austin Corbett. You know, Taylor Moten didn't have as productive of a season, but he didn't have to because every every piece of that offensive line was so much better than the previous year. So I'm I'm left super, super happy about, you know, where where we are with that. Now, what was what was you know any any additional feedback on the offensive line play? I mean, actually, you know, even just the, the retention of the coaches that we kept. Um, I think keeping bringing in uh, keeping the uh, our OC our offensive line coach James Campen um, is a huge move. I think I think I talked about it in the last episode, but just bringing that back, having the same coach, you kind of get right back on the train, and it's a great thing to build off of. If you have the same coach like that, I'm glad that they kept them along, and it wasn't one of those like relationship things. It was like, okay, this is the guy for the job. He coached the very good team and he got Ikeem Aquanu, um, elevated his game, his play, um, Very much. just vast improvement all around the board. So I, just, I like the move. Um, oh, I think it's him. huge. I think and it's huge. It's, Panthers fans should definitely be excited about this offensive line because that's been a problem since for a few years now, since our, we lost a lot of our other vets, yeah. um, during our Cam Newton days. So yeah, yeah, it was tough. That was tough. Some some guys I'm not upset to see go, Mike Rimmer. Um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna throw shade. Um, so next up, the one thing that Matt Rule could not bring because he didn't have it was experience. So with Frank Reich, he's got NFL head coaching experience from the Indianapolis Colts, and not just any experience. This man is seven games over 500. He's 40, 33, and one over his time as head coach with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And he's a Super Bowl winning OC for the Eagles. And I know people are like, you know, was Doug Peterson calling the offense or was Frank Wright calling the offense? And if you ask me, I think it was a collaborative effort. I honestly think that you're looking at probably like an Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy situation where I don't think Frank Reich was just a, a flower, a wallflower. I mean, he was definitely doing play calling in Indy and Indy had some productive seasons even after Andrew Luck retired. So, like, again, he brings play calling. Matt Rule is like, I'm a CEO. I'm, I'm not better at one side of the ball than the other. And we're all sitting there going, what? What does that mean? So, like, that, 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 that warms me. I mean, Frank Reich is a 14-year veteran of the NFL as a player. You know, he, can, he orchestrated one of the greatest comebacks of in, in playoff history when the Bills came back and beat the Houston Oilers. And it, like, you know, it's there's you can't replace those big moments. And, you know, he has that experience and Matt Rule just didn't have it. And then he's had a 17 key year career as a coach. So, I mean, in the league. So, I mean, you're talking like apples and oranges. I mean, you're going to get an entirely different experience. A guy that that just looks in that, that I guarantee you that locker room is going to look and feel and operate different. Now, what do you think about the, the difference in, in experience between Frank Reich and Matt rule? That's a huge difference, huge difference. And you, why, why else would Matt rule go back, refrain back to a college program? Um, experience. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to bring, I actually, I'm, I, I, I have a, a, a article that, I pulled up and it kills me because Matt Rule was asked on a podcast about, you know, his time with, you know, being in the NFL. And 
he said, you know, was it a, like they asked him, was it a mistake that he was, that he went to? So here's Matt Rule's response. And I'm, I want you to, I'm going to read it and I want you to respond. He goes, my whole life from a very young age, I wanted to be a division one college football coach. Had a great experience with the Giants as an assistant O-line coach. So when you the chance came to be an NFL head coach, I went for it and I and I did it. But I'm wired for this. I'm wired for this age group, these kids, the, for the recruiting. And you know what? I love Saturdays. I love the bands. I love the student sections. I love everything. When I was in the NFL, I would spend most of my Saturdays watching college football. It's kind of a different game. And it kept me thinking. It kept, it kept me and I think I'm prepared to come back. I'm ready. I'm really happy to be back. I'm sorry. I kind of got myself all twisted up in there because I was kind of laughing while I was reading that. But uh, <laughs> f- feedback on on what I just read, please. I mean, have fun. <laughs> <Enjoy it. laughs> Don't let the door hit you with the good Lord split you. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy oh, Nebraska. <laughs> like, I mean, ah, man, I mean, I... I David Tepper, I think we talked about it before. David Tepper's comments about, you know, the mistake of hiring Matt Rule, like, or a coach like Matt Rule. I'm sorry, Matt, if you, if you ever would watch this podcast. But it's, I think we are all better after this experience, better as fans. I think Tepper's better owner, Matt Rule. Bye. So, yeah. Now, Something that plagued Frank Reich as well as Matt Rule. So I can't say that there's a huge difference, but I think he got more out of the position is the quarterback position. So in Indianapolis, Frank Reich had Andrew Luck for one year, retired on him going into preseason of the following season. He had Jacoby Brissett play that following season. Then he went and got Phillip Rivers, then Carson Wentz, and then Matt Ryan. And overall, like I said, he had he had a decent record with a quarterback carousel. Here in Carolina, it hasn't been so pretty, and we definitely didn't bolster names as big as Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan, but again, by the time... Phillip Rivers actually had a pretty productive year. Matt Ryan looked like a mess, but in Carolina, since Cam Newton, we had Cam, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke was in there, then obviously we went and got Teddy Bridgewater. Then we went and got Sam Darnold. Then Cam Newton version two. Then at some point, Jacob Eason. And then Baker Mayfield. And then Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. And even with all those names, we still didn't end up with a better record over this, this similar period of time as Frank Wright. So what do you think? Frank's best opportunity to be successful in role around the quarterback room is what do you think he should do? I think, I think we got to, I think it's important to have veteran presence in that quarterback room, but also to Scott Fitter's point to build a guy homegrown, draft a guy and build him up. Um, so you have that veteran presence in the locker room to help you get up to speed, but you also have the new head coach and he gets a choice of his quarterback and being a former quarterback, having a connection, you kind of connect with that quarterback in certain ways that maybe other coaches, a defensive coordinator that goes to head coach 
can't connect to a quarterback. So it's, it could be a special connection and you have like a healthy quarterback room where you can have a guy like a veteran maybe come in or if there's an injury by chance. Um, but mainly just like having a presence building, having good energy in that room. But I, I think like that's, it. that's where he's got to start. That's a great plan because as I, like my, my whole piece on this is he has to fix the quarterback room. Now, do we do it through free agency? Cause right now going to free agency again, these are just today's players, the reasonable targets. And I went through the free agent list of, for guys whose contracts are expiring going into the off season, Daniel Jones, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson to me is a stretch. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's ever going to work out. Teddy Bridgewater is a stretch. I don't think that's ever going to work out. I, I can see going into free agency and grabbing a vet, but I'm like, is that vet better than who you have on the roster? Do you see if, if you can retain Sam to be that veteran presence while you bring somebody along? Or do you are you just completely done with the Sam Darnold project? I'm, my jury's still out on that one. So, Or do you trade for a guy? Because we have some guys that are looking to be traded. at the On that list, we got Aaron Rodgers, who's currently in the midst of his four-day sabbatical in a purely dark room with two meals. Man, is he weird. Uh, Derek Carr, who was at the Pro Bowl and, you know, throwing shade at the Raiders, saying that's why he's getting ready to leave. Trey Lance is a little bit of a long shot trade. I don't like it. Um, there's, there's just not enough tape for me to want to give up assets for him. And Zach Wilson, absolutely not. Like, there's no reason <laughs> I would ever want to do that. So I went through that list. Any Anything that pokes out to you between free agency and trading for a guy? Yeah, looking at this list, I like um bringing in a veteran presence like jacoby Brissett. i um i I think cleveland cleveland really embraced him in his role when uh deshaun watson was suspended and he really got that locker room behind him so i would really like to see a guy like that um or trade scenario looking at the list i'd say Derek carr yeah that's Um, that's the only guy on that list that i would even want to take a take a shot on now yeah. we get to the the fun part, or do you draft a QB? Because I, I hear there's a, a few guys that are coming out from college that might fit the bill for Carolina. Now again, let's. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but let's let's do a quick uh, synopsis of who we have here. Now, does Carolina make a move to go to the top of the draft and trade with Chicago and grab like a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud, or do you make a mid move and? you know, trade to with fifth, you know, with Seattle and grab like a Will Levis, or do you stay put in which I think you're going to be prime place for Anthony Richardson, or is that, is that too much of a stretch? What, what do you, what do you see as the best option here? Yeah. So, I mean, I know we'll have probably have like a deeper in game um, draft prospect episode. No, um, we will. I won't get too, too much into it, but I know, um, I think realistically we can draft up um, like a couple, like one of two options is we trade up and we get a guy like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young at three. Um, or if you're feeling really good about um, the, 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 the scouting process um, and Anthony Richards uh, ceiling, you take a chance and wait and pick him at nine. Cause I'm sure Anthony Richardson could drop to nine. So. I mean, I don't, I think cool that, that, yeah, I think he'll definitely drop at least to nine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, again, don't want to get, I don't want to get too much in the weeds on this because we are going to have a full draft episode where we're just, we're, it may be an hour long show where we just kind of just 
go through the draft. So next, well, Frank Reich is already coming in with a better offensive line than Matt Rule boasted in his first season. But what do we need to do to stay on that path? And I've kind of outlined a couple of points here. So Austin Corbett, in his own interview, said, you know, they asked him, like, you know, you know what happened? He's like, the one thing you don't want to happen week 18 of a season. And it turned out to be true. He tore his ACL. Uh, all the reports are saying that he's healing just fine, but I mean, it's going to, it's a stretch to think that Corbett's going to be ready for the opening of, of the season. And you got to think he's going to miss all the OTAs. He's going to miss all the, you know, the, the summer workouts and then going into, you know, the camp season. I, th- I think that's just a lot to ask. So I think you're going to already be behind the eight ball looking for a guard to take his place. Now, Brady Christensen, not super worried about it. It was an ankle break. I think that's going to heal up decently, and he should be ready to go for OTAs, or at least to phase two of OTAs if he's not immediately available. So what do you think of Cade Mays? A little bit slight of frame, but, I mean, obviously a physical presence. Do you think Cade Mays will fit in with that, that in that guard spot, or do you think we, we really need to go out and, and do our due diligence and grab another guy? I think for depth, uh, for depth uh, reasoning, I think we definitely should get a guy to yeah. fill in that spot. Um, but for the time being, Cade Mays does have a year under his belt. He played some solid, pretty mediocre, solid um, play. Um, didn't really stand out, but, I mean, right. it's a fill-in spot until Corbett comes back, and you definitely you definitely want to look to get depth. Um, yeah, but right. I, I wouldn't see that being until, like, later in the draft, like after the fifth round or so. Or something that could be you can address through free agency, just, you know, get, get a guy that can really suit sure. the bill. Um, and then again, we'll, we'll go, we'll have an entire free agency episode where we're going over contracts and you know, what the Panthers are likely to do to try to free up some cap room. So stay tuned for that. We, that, that's, that's where I go nuts. That's my, my analytical mind taking over. I can't even wait for that. So what does Icky have to do to avoid that venomous sophomore slump, sir? Um, just keep growing. Um, there's really not too much to it. You got to. I mean, like any other player, you just got to keep working in the offseason, stay consistent. I mean, just go through your technique. And, I mean, he played pretty well. I'm not – I'm honestly not too worried about Akeem Aquanu, but to have a sophomore I'm slump, with you. you wanna... I don't think – I don't think he's going to be subject to sophomore slump. I think w- the biggest thing is continuity, and they're bringing back James Campen. I think that would have been the thing I would have worried about if he had to go through, you know, learn another guy's system and another guy's technique. I think Ikeem is going to grow, continue to grow. Defensively – Phil Snow didn't do bad, right? I mean, I think the run game was god-awful. The third quarter defense was, like, historically bad. Like, we 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 couldn't put points up and we couldn't stop players in the Matt Rule era. I think as you begin to transition to this 3-4, you got to address it through personnel. You got to make sure you're putting the right people in the right places. And I think, I mean, I think they're smart enough not to, to send us into this crazy tailspin because I know Ron Rivera is a kind of a, a, a knee-jerk move, try to switch us to a 3-4 in his last season with us, and it was just a bad look. And then Minnesota did the same thing. They tried to snap switch to a 3-4 over there. And they they just – I'm I'm pretty sure Ejiro Evero was a pretty smart guy. He's not going to put us in a, in a position. And plus, I mean, it means a lot to him. This guy was in the coaching cycle as a potential head coaching candidate. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to put himself in a position where he's not going to sacrifice all that hard work and potentially, you know, have himself on the outside looking in in the next coaching cycle so defensively i mean i know it's kind of off the cuff but what what do you think frank wright can do to address you know personnel wise what what can we do to make sure that we 
continue to grow this unit that is considered a really good unit. Uh, you speaking about the offensive the, line? Defense. I'm sorry, our defense. Oh, defense. Okay, defense. Um, I think priority number one, uh, one of two is help Brian Burns and to also help J.C. Horn. Um, you found your cornerback oh, one and your D.N. one. Um, yeah. But J.C. JC needs help. C.J. ain't it. C.J. Nah. ain't it. Like, nah. he's not it. Like, not even a little bit it. And no, J.C. does no. need help. J.C.'s a guy. No. Yeah, no, he is the guy. I wouldn't feel too confident, Panthers fans, about C.J. Henderson. Um, he's got solid technique. Um, I mean, he's he's in on some of the plays, uh, but sometimes he can get a little lackluster and caught, caught sleeping sometimes. And uh, really, he's he's a liability on deep, um, deep plays. I think if you go and look at statistics – Anytime that there was a deep ball to CJ Henderson, or if you even go back and just watch the games, like just killer plays where it's just like he's pulling the dude down and the ball's not even there yet, or like it's just not even looking up at the ball. Beat. He know he's beat. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna have to make make a business decision here. We don't have to get um, these penalty yards. <laughs> the worst business decision. So I would definitely say help JC Horn because JC yeah. is your guy, right? We're thinking about yeah. that. Yeah. You get another guy. Dante Jackson's going to kind of be working his way back in slow. So you need yeah. to bring another young talent in to help JC out and really lock down that, really secure that uh, these Avenue again and lock that down. And I think nice the to biggest see that thing. Come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm hoping for it. And the biggest thing, I think this is a bit priority number, numero uno. And this is, this is the, the, the two time Pro Bowler we have here. The only Pro Bowler. Pro Bowler on the Panthers team, arguably the best player on this team. You got to get him some help. And I know he was Spidey Burns. Confident. Spidey Burns. I know he was very confident. He spoke very highly of Utor in the in training camp and obviously he's saying we're good over yeah. on that side because I know they asked him about it. But YGM's not it. No. And you need a you need a Hassan Reddick presence. Um, you need a guy who's going to be in your face yeah. uh, and threatening threatening the pass rush almost every play. Oh, agreed. Um, agreed. He, he definitely could use the help. So, so my 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 pick is we got to identify a man in the middle. Like we haven't had that position since Luke August Keekley. Man, we haven't had the man in the middle, the 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 general commanding the defense. And I know Frankie Luvu, man, he's playing he's playing above himself, man. But I think Frankie Luvu is. A, a complimentary piece. You still need a man in the middle, a guy that knows what he's doing and that's commanding that that defense. I like Shaq. Shaq's obviously a veteran. He's, his contract is ballooning, though, and we have to make a decision here if we're going to re restructure his contract because if we if he's a, he's a pre-June cut, I, and I got to go look at that date, we actually end up with about like 11 or 12 million in dead money, but we free up 14 million in cap room. So all of a sudden we go from negative nine because we're over the cap by like 9 million. We go over the cap by four. So we've got to address Shaq, Shaq's contract. You can't pay Shaq, you know, that kind of money. You can't pay him $24 million this season. So there's got to be some hard decisions there. And we do. And, and I'm hoping because of linebacker depth, I'm worried. I hope we can work something out because I don't want to go have to go look for a bunch of linebackers. I mean, this, you know, get Shaq back under a reasonable contract, team friendly. And then like, you know, go, go let's go start to identify the next guy the next man in the middle, the next captain, because I mean, it's just so important. It's such an important spot that you, you know, they they identify the lanes, right? They they and it just we haven't had that since Luke, man. They haven't had a consistent presence since Luke. 
so those those are my my two keys on defense of how you know we we can we can you know make sure that you know Frank can keep himself from befalling the same fate as Matt Rule. So what does success look like for Frank Reich, Dakari? Division Playoff. title, playoff berth, winning record is can can he have a successful run the first season without making playoffs? Well, would would that fly? No. I don't no. think so either. I don't think so either. When was the last time we got in? 2017? Yes, yes. So it's been five years, six years, five, six years since we've been in playoffs. No, yeah, no. I would say it has to be a playoff berth. A successful season has to be a playoff berth. And you have the experience with the coach. Um, I mean, regardless, you're either going to have to bring in a new veteran or a young quarterback or – who knows under yeah. certain circumstances corrals the guy, but yeah. you need to have, you, you have to win this year. Tom Brady retired. Yeah. Um, and the other saints in Atlanta are in shambles right now Yeah, to, uh, with, all, with positions and quarterbacks. It's, yeah. it's your year to take it. Um, it's been, I don't know, a couple of years now where like, it was like, Oh, like maybe we could take it over, but Brady's been being Brady. And, but I mean that you gotta, you gotta. It's time to take over now. It's time to take yeah. over the South. Um, so I'm so gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my stamp on not just the playoff berth. We gotta win the division. Steve Wilkes was one game away from winning the division. One, one game because you know we can't, you know, we obviously can't tell the future if we still win the Saints game. We he, he, we win the Tampa game, but I think you gotta win the division. I think like out of the gates, like you, I don't think you can just settle for you know, wild card playoff game on the road. I think you got to, I think Frank Reich to put his mark on this team has to host a playoff game at the bank next year. I think that's it. I think that's that. Otherwise, if it's anything less than that, the fans are going to be like, well, we should have kept Steve Wilkes. Like what would like, what is this guy doing? Like, you know, I honestly think that in order to get the buy-in of, the masses, he's going to have to win the division. And I, and I, I hate to say that to a first year coach with a team, but again, I can't discount his veteran presence. He's, he has a, you know, he's, he's a veteran head coach. Now he has to go down there and prove his medal because at this point, you know, you got people like me and you kind of backing him. Like, you know, you know, there's other fans out there and I, and I listen to podcasts, they're backing him, man. And I, and I don't think you can, I don't think he can get out of this without winning a division title year one, because I think it would be, a little bit of a blowback. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't foresee him having the, the the bottom fallout and them going one win next year. I definitely see that the only option, the only road to the fans getting behind him is a division title. I, I you have to host a playoff game at the bank, and you can't just host it. You got to look competitive. So that's that's where I'm at on this. So yeah, man, like I like you got to, you have to, you have to. Well. Heading to the end of the show, and I should I should have talked about this at the beginning. We're we're gonna do a couple Super Bowl picks because this is Super Bowl week, and can't be I can't be you know close minded. There's two teams still playing, although I'd rather have a horse in the race. We don't, but you know it's a it's gonna it looks like it's gonna be a, a pretty cool matchup. It looks like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles are gonna lock horns here in a couple days in Arizona. So what do you what are you thinking about this game, D? Um, I mean I love it. I know. I mean, you got Jalen Hurts, who has really stamped his name to possibly being he's he's coming for he's been playing for respect this year and um, acknowledged. FYI, off season last year, they were saying that if Jalen didn't have a solid season, the Eagles should probably be looking for another quarterback. 
Like that was a real conversation. Oh yeah, so. no, that really did that bothered me because um I think I don't think he's been treated fair since being in the league from that standpoint. I think yeah. his first season last year he started, he took them to playoffs with not a really great roster. And um you go you went toe to toe with a, a Tom Brady Buccaneers team that almost went to the Super Bowl themselves. So um and then you follow that up with a fourteen and three year. Um and you got AJ Brown. So um, and then at the other end, I mean, Pat Mahomes is going to be Pat Mahomes. It looks like in five years, he's made it to five um, conference championship games and one Super Bowl win. So his just his efficiency in the league is just it's it's cheat ridiculous code. right now. He's a cheat code. He's, a, yeah. he's an absolute cheat code. It's not even fair. So how about it's a Kelsey Bowl too, man. First time you have brothers playing against each other. You got mm-hmm. Travis and Jason Kelsey. Yep. So. I mean, just all kinds of things happen, and like, I—I I mean, it's—it it's, should be a fun game. I mean, like I said, I'm—I'm I'm no horse in the race. I'm—I'm I'm trying to—I'm try, I'm trying to muster all my excitement, knowing that I'm a salty Panthers fan sitting here on the sideline, waiting for everything to be over so we can get to the matters of combine in the off season. But I mean, I, the Eagles' defense is scary. I'll be honest with you. Hassan Reddick has been uber efficient. I mean, he's got three sack, three and a half sacks in the playoffs alone. So I mean, he had 13 on the year. So the man, the man is like just racking them up right now. So it's like, it's 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 scary. I don't know. The Chiefs' defense isn't as efficient, but I mean they can get after you, man. They really they still can. So, I mean, basic breakdown. I guess I guess we're to pick time, man. Because we're hitting about forty five minutes. We're at pick time. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Um, All right. So. Building off real quick, building off what you were saying, they I believe they have Eagles have four or five guys that have over ten plus sacks. This the year. entire starting defensive line are double digit sacks. That's gross. Just keep that in mind. So I it's think gross. I don't think the Chiefs have played a team like this where they can really get after Pat Mahomes, and it could he could be on this he could be on the run a lot, and that ankle has been really questionable since yeah. the playoff game against the Jags. So definitely yeah. be on the lookout for you guys watching that. Um, also, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like the AJ Brown, Devante, the two Batman combo, the duo and Jalen Hurts and just his running style. And I I would just love to see that, um, kind of bring, be brought to light for lack of better terms, because I think running quarterbacks have really been like kind of talked down to and not really respected as they, they, those can't win Super Bowls. And yeah. Joan Hurts isn't a Lamar Jackson, but he can, he's, he can run with, with, with a lot of those guys. And, um, and yeah, he'll be probably one of the first. So uh, I got the Eagles. I mean, winning this. All right. So you got the Eagles. So in the same light that, that Eagles defense hasn't, I mean, uh, I'm sorry. The the Kansas City offense hasn't played a defense like the Eagles' defense, and I and I am 100% buying into that. Like, I really do believe that's a thing. Here's what I'll tell you: as I understand it, there are no holdovers from that last Eagles Super Bowl team. So this team doesn't know what it's like there this week, and I'll give them that. You know, Indomakong Sue, you know, he's he's on his third Super Bowl team somehow. He's got the Robert Ori effect. He's like, you know, just he can pick the right team in the offseason. And I'm just telling you, that Eagles defense, like you said, the Kansas City Chiefs haven't seen the defense like like the, you know, the Eagles. But the Eagles defense hasn't seen, 
haven't they their path has not been to play like playoff pat right like i i compare playoff pat to sunday tiger to playoff jordan like playoff First pat's different Oh my God! Stop! Don't even bring. Why <laughs> you even bring Kurt into this conversation? I ain't nobody like Kurt Cousins, but yeah, one o'clock, Kurt. I, I, I mean, I just oh, ugh, gross. I just think Pat Mahomes is going to hit a different place, man. He's got too many weapons. You know, I, you know, Kelsey. I, I can see the Eagles really having a package, you know, to kind of, you know, to keep Kelsey out. But something tells me playoff Pat's gonna, gonna, gonna rear his ugly head, and. I'm gonna give this one to the Chiefs, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going outside the lines on this one, but I, I feel that playoff Pat's gonna rear his ugly head, and you know he's been there. He knows what it's like to win the big game, and he's got, he's got his dude, man. Kelsey, even if people focus on Kelsey, and Kelsey still balls, so I'm not until I see it happen. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rock with with a uh, playoff Pat and the Kansas City Chiefs on this one. So all right, all right, all right. I like it. All right, I see where you're coming from. All right. Well, you know, we've hit the end of the show. It's been a great conversation. Somehow we hit the 50-minute mark, and we've been trying to keep this thing to 30 minutes. But with one show this week, we're, uh, we're guess what? we'll let this thing fly at 50 minutes. So we've been working hard to be your trusted source for all things Carolina Panthers. So please like and comment on this video because we enjoy doing this. We want to produce content. Yeah, please like it right now. We want to produce content for very passionate Carolina Panther fans. We like that. We really think that we come from the fans' perspective, and we are thinking the things that you're thinking, and we we have enough experience with the team and in and in football in general that you know we can give some perspective that not everybody can give. So also, please, in order to make sure you're alerted when we post new content, subscribe, subscribe. And hit the bell notification because all this helps the algorithm and make sure that you and other Panther fans see Panther pedigree content when you search Carolina Panthers. So we are asking you to make sure that you're doing that for us because, again, we enjoy doing this. This is a labor of love for us. You know, we we just enjoy we enjoy doing this. And this, it's a great conversation. We, this is about our team. And we, we got some great ideas for episodes coming up. So thank you for tuning in. Can't wait to talk to you guys again next week after the Super Bowl and we can talk trash about who who ended up picking the right team and so on and so forth. But next week we get to open combine season. We get to we get to start talking about some of these players coming out. And, you know, our draft episode is going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be one of the best on the Internet. So please get ready for our draft episode. So you got any closing comments, sir? Uh, drop down in the comments who you guys got winning the Super Bowl. Yes, definitely. Put your Super Bowl winner in the comments. Thank you, Dakari. That is so good. Yes. Yes, um, definitely. And yeah, keep pounding. That's it for me. Keep pounding. All right, I'm going to get us out of here with a little bit of Panther pedigree audio. Let's do it. So, I'm thankful. I'm very thankful that this is a thing. This is, uh, again, a labor of love. We enjoy doing this. We can't wait to do the next episode, and we're going to be here all off-season doing this and bringing you content, fresh content. Love that panther in the background. I'll tell you that right now. All right. Uh, uh. Be good. Stay safe. Keep pounding.